From Santa Barbara, California, the Timeless Voyager series, where the knowledge is timeless and you are the Voyager. Interviews with leading-edge authors and speakers, psychic phenomena and the unexplained, UFOs, extraterrestrial encounters, government cover-ups, alternative health care, new technologies. Fasten your cosmic seatbelts and join me, your host, Bruce Stephen Holmes, the Timeless Voyager. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Timeless Voyager. My name is Bruce Stephen Holmes, and my guest today is Lindsay Sharman. She's a returning guest, and she has a uh, group called the Rogue Soul Services, which is rogueways.org. Pardon my voice today, but I just don't know what happened. I'm losing it on and off, so we'll see how that happens today. Her soul services listed are under spiritual support, past life tarot readings, life path tarot readings, spiritual guidance sessions, full tuning and alignment, insight vignette reading, I Ching reading, and much more. Oh, and also she's a, a great author, and I'll show you some of her books uh, as we go along today. But the, today's topics, and I hope we're going to get to all of them, uh, her experiences with UFOs and ETs, interactions with entities and energies during shamanic healings, how you can involve your spiritual practices into your daily life, and her experience with near-death or near-death experiences. So that being said, let me bring Lindsay on the program. Hello. The snow. <laughs> Hi, Bruce. It's good to be back again. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you for appearing. Where would you like to start? I was thinking of starting with UFOs because people are really excited about UFOs now. All of a sudden, because the um, the classifications have been lifted a little bit, we're seeing more and more of these objects on the national media. So let's just start with your experiences and we'll move on from there. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I could probably go back in my journals as a child. I journaled every day and I have a very detailed <laughs> logging of all of the things that happened to me. And I could probably pinpoint it to a specific day uh, that this started. But in my memory, at least, I started noticing uh, what people call UFOs in the sky, probably around 12, 13 or 14 years old. Uh, and it really started picking up more and more uh, as as time went on through my adolescence. And uh, I started to see things that were inexplicable. Um, other people who were with me could see them as well. I did learn that not everybody wants to see them and not everyone was happy to see them, whatever they are. And, and that I think is in part because people fear the unknown and we didn't have answers for what we were seeing. That's interesting that uh, a person will not necessarily see a UFO if they don't want to. Is that that's is that your experience, or is that something that we that I never knew about? Uh, it's definitely my experience that these beings know who can see them and who can't, and can uh, at least uh, attempt to show up in ways that only the person they're really trying to interact with might notice them. Uh, you know, but like I said, some people would see them, and 
would not be enjoying that they were seeing them. So I wouldn't necessarily say people who don't want to can't see them. I would say it's a lot less likely that they'll notice it uh, and choose it. And if you are choosing it, I do think it's going to happen more often for you. That is also my experience. So does that, do you think that affects uh, photographs or I've heard that when people are trying to take photographs of them, that if they ask permission and ask for them to sort of set themselves in a nice light in an area in a way that's easy for them to capture, that they'll be, um, you know, amenable to that and, and sort of allow it. So I have not tried to capture mine on film ever um, because I just don't have any interest in <laughs> proving to other people. I, I know the experience is for me anyways. And uh, if somebody wants that experience, like I said, I, I know that they can have it for themselves too. So I just have never done that. Uh, but I have heard people talk about that. And it makes sense to me because the interactions I have are very responsive and respectful and loving and, and you know, of a psychic nature. And so um, I could definitely see them, you know, you could, ask them for whatever you might want and see if they would be willing to grant it. So I interrupted you when you were talking and you were telling us a little bit about your experiences. Yeah. So I just started to see, uh, you know, these lights in the sky. And like I said, I, they were inexplicable. I, I didn't understand exactly what they were. And it became clear to me clearer and clearer as time went on that they weren't, um, that they didn't seem like they could be human, at least, or man-made, um, because of the way they moved, how fast they moved, how they seemed to morph uh, and change in ways that seemed to defy physics. Um, and so I started to understand there has to be some other uh, explanation for this. There has to be something else going on. Um, you know, and, and somehow, some way, I started to notice that they also would respond to my thoughts and my feelings, and so I started to understand that whatever it is, whatever they were, uh, they were what we would call psychic. Um, and that uh, started to become the way then that I tried to interact with them and communicate with them would be by sending them thoughts and messages and, and trying to receive something back. And uh, it's difficult, you know, for me, and I think for a lot of us, we're, we're not really... Uh, trained, I guess, in our psychic skills, even though all of us have them, in my opinion. Uh, and especially when I was young, it's not something that people talk about or practice together or, you know, you don't understand. And there's also a lot of toxicity in our bodies and our environment that uh, can prevent some of the natural pathways of communication we might have. Um, so, you know, I don't think it was so easy for me, but I did start to understand that that's what was happening and that it could happen and that these beings were responsive to my thoughts at the very least. Uh, so I started having, you know, more direct conversation and, and interaction with them as time went on. Are we talking about like a channeling experience or are we talking about something else? Uh, at that time, it was a little bit less like channeling. Uh, I didn't, at least I wasn't as aware of it. I was more closed off to that. I had more fear and, you know, uh, just things that would get in the way of that type of energy transference. Um, but I would ask them questions and they would respond in yes and no. Um, and, and a lot of people who uh, do any kind of spiritual work or interacting with spiritual entities might be familiar with that sort of like the baby step is asking yes and no questions and getting the yes or no answer. Um, and that can happen in so many different ways. And so I was doing this with lights in the sky. 
you know, and I would say, if you want to answer yes, do this many blanks. If you want to answer no, do this many blanks. Or if you turn this color or, you know, whatever. Well, that's um, interesting. Now that let, let's just let, let's not get, let that go too fast. So in your particular case, and maybe in the case of people who are interested in having some kind of a, a relationship in a sense with these uh, unidentified flying objects, they should realize what you're saying, which is that they can have some kind of a communication of sorts and not just get caught up in, oh, look at the picture of what I've got here. And they're talking in the background and everybody's excited about seeing it and video videoing it. But you're saying, you know, take the opportunity to, to learn how to communicate with them. Yeah. In fact, in my experience, these are spiritual beings and they've come here to assist us in spiritual ways. And uh, they're, I don't even have any evidence out of decades of interaction with them that they are physical beings. Um, they can appear physically uh, and, you know, seem physical, uh, but they can also just as quickly dissolve that physical appearance and change it and morph it into some other physical appearance, which is not what we would call physical. <laughs> so, um so to treat them as the spiritual beings that they are, to interact with them on that level, I think would be even more fulfilling and more effective for anybody. Um, again, like I said, I've, I it didn't even really cross my mind to take pictures of them. And I, and I still, I could, I guess, go do that now, but I, I don't know what the point would be. We've had decades of people putting pictures and various videos and things out and you know, for those who want it and need it, then that's really cool. And it's a, it's a great step for them to go, wow, what might be out there and what might be going on? Uh, but I don't, I don't need to add to that, I guess. <laughs> that's an interesting point. Here's a picture of the um, Vril crafts. If you, if you look down here on the lower right, you can see how old the truck is for this picture. The picture was taken, I, my understanding, is somewhere in the um, mid to late 40s. And there are stories about these crafts, not to get away from what you were talking about, but stories about these crafts that were in Antarctica at the time. And our, uh, the Vril Society supposedly is part of a uh, group that was interested in working with the uh, Nazis at the end of the war, at the end of uh, World War II, and I guess either invited them or suggested that they come to Antarctica to get away from whatever was happening at the end of the war. And this is an interesting picture of that uh, particular vehicle. My issue always, I have a problem with these crafts being made out of metal and all that stuff. But that doesn't mean that they can't be. <laughs> Not to get into a long story here, but if you if you look in the in the in the Vedic scriptures. Anything could fly. <laughs> so, I mean, these giant objects were made out of stone and apparently flew. So I guess making that comment that I just made about steel or whatever that was is probably a moot point. <laughs> um, but when, I, when we talk about these entities or ETs or whatever, we have a very serious problem with with uh, with what Hollywood has done, and and let me let me just show, let me add this thing here. This is an example of what Hollywood uh, does, and they, it scares people. It should scare people. This would scare people if I just said, 
hey, this guy lives down the street. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> because we don't want that guy living down the street. Not because he does anything wrong, just because we, we have enough problem with just the color of skin and we're all humanoids. <laughs> this is like way beyond the color of the skin and is not a humanoid, or at least not a humanoid as we know it. <laughs> so um, it's, it's too bad that they're doing this. I've been told that the um, basic human architecture is so sophisticated that it's widely used all through the universe. And so uh, it seems silly to me that we, we would have to make these strange, crazy looking things. Look at this guy here. This is the why, you know. <laughs> <laughs> just you know the, again i'm not saying there aren't uh groups that may may look like that but apparently the way we look seems to be the best possible i use the word architecture you have a comment on that at all or i would just say again the the beings that i interact with that other people would call ufos don't have a physical form so they, they can appear to you in either of those forms, although I don't know why they would, because their goal is not to terrify you. <laughs> so that would probably not be the form that they would choose. Uh, and I've seen them show up in, in some different forms um, that are just convenient. Uh, and, you know, so it, it's kind of like, well, what do you need to see, right? Like, uh, if you remember Contact... Uh, the movie, at least at the end, uh, she goes and she finally gets in the ship and travels. Spoiler alert, if you haven't seen this very old movie, <laughs> right. she travels to wherever in interdimensional space and time and she sees her dad. And there, and her dad, her father has died and she's asking why. And they're saying, well, this is the easiest thing for you to accept. And it's been very similar in my experience with these beings. They're, they're kind of like, well, what is it you'd like to see? Because it doesn't matter to us. Like, we don't even have this form. This is, you know, where if anything, maybe you might call them light beings, right? And um, the way that they could travel around most easily is as many people have experienced uh, orbs, right? Or uh, you might yeah. even call it the Merkaba. Like, this is your consciousness yeah. form more than anything else. And that's sort of the level that they're at. So even when they're flashing around up in the sky, uh, they're not even really in a ship. Uh, and, and if they were to appear to be in a ship, it would, again, just be for convenience or because that's what people could understand. Uh, and, and they're just sort of projecting that out or making it appear as such. So if there are literal physical, you know, the Vimana from the Vedic you know, scriptures and, and floating stone structures or metal structures or ships of some kind, I would be much more likely to assume that those are human crafts or beings that are just using that because it seems convenient to them and they're at a very higher level than us and can make, like you said, anything fly. Um, and that's that's my understanding currently of what might be out there and going on and not that there's this physical being that came from a physical planet that traveled all the way to earth in a physical ship to, you know, have these decades long interactions with me of just flashing in the sky and, and being of a spiritually supportive nature. Although again, I, I just, because I can't speak to that and I, that's not my experience doesn't mean it doesn't exist. It just, I have no knowledge of it if it does. It's an interesting point because um, again, <laughs> And I, I'm not. I don't have a, 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 a uh, an issue with Hollywood that much, but um, <laughs> I covered myself real well with that. Um, but yeah, we need to have some kind of a story. Otherwise, I guess no one cares. They don't want to hear anything 
about these quote unquote benevolent beings. Um, they would rather have malevolent beings and have them look really horrible so they yeah. could scare the hell out of us. Um, I was looking at this chart of, as a matter of fact, I showed you this chart just before we did the show. And my, my thought was, uh, is there anything on this chart that you feel like you've seen? Or are you saying that the one, everything that you see is basically a, a light vehicle, a Merkaba or whatever? Yeah, every everything I've seen is is not actually even real, right? It's, it's just the presentation of form in whatever uh, seems to serve that moment. So I've not seen any of these specific shapes. And actually, what I have seen often is what looks like a real, uh, I should say, uh, a human-made uh, jet or Cessna or Boeing 747 um, and looks like a regular plane. Um and so it has this, an, actually has an airfoil then? Is that what you're saying? A, a what? Airfoil. I don't know what that means. Uh, wings. Yes. Yeah. It just looks exactly the same. I mean, you would look at it up in the sky and you would say, that's just a plane. Huh. <laughs> right? And and people then have asked me, well, how did you know then that it was them? And, and I'll, because they, I've seen them shift in broad daylight it, right in front of me from a light ball into looking like a plane like that. And then even into looking like another type of plane basically to affirm for me that yes, they can look however they would like to look. And so you may be yeah. anywhere, anytime. And, and one of these beings could be right there with you and you would it's not even necessarily you, know that you say it that way, because I, um, I've been watching some really interesting YouTube videos about, uh, fourth and fifth dimensions, mm-hmm. uh, looking at the, a third dimensional, um, let's see how I can say this what a fourth dimensional object would look like to us in the third dimension. And what's interesting about it, and I don't know if I can explain this very well, I should have done a little, I should have had some stuff to to post, but maybe I'll do that later on in post-production here. But if you take the example of a three-dimensional object, which is a sphere, and if you put the sphere in a two-dimensional area, what the person who is two-dimensional sees at all times is a flat circle. Just it's flat because it doesn't have any dimension to it. So what they see then is that the circle, like if you take, if you take a sphere and move it up and down, in two dimensions, what they see is the circle getting larger or so, smaller, because that's what, what is happening if you draw a line through a sphere that's three-dimensional. You have, at each point, when you move it, let's say, going down, then the diameter is getting smaller. So then they use the same example to say, so in a fourth dimension, fourth-dimensional situation, and then I thought about the UFO exactly, perfectly well yeah what that does is instead of us seeing it as it is we see it as it is in three-dimensionality which is that it can appear out of nowhere when in reality it didn't appear out of nowhere but it does to us it looks like that Mm -hmm. and then it also disappears it can move extremely fast in multiple directions that are 
un, unheard of in, in space and time. Because I guess even our idea of time and space, and, and especially movement, doesn't work in the fourth dimension. And that's just the fourth dimension. We, I'm not we, of course, I'm not one of them, but those people who are in that group who talk about dimensionality, they say there are 11 dimensions. Yeah. And of them, 10 of those dimensions are in smaller areas than the first, second, third, and fourth dimension are. So it's kind of like strange stuff, and I should probably not go too far with this. But the point that I was making is that when you are using five senses and expecting five senses plus any extraordinary additions to those senses, which are based on the five senses, everything from telescopes to uh, all the all the different techniques that we use to, to quote-unquote, expand our senses, they're all going to be limited by three-dimensionality. So anything outside of three-dimensionality is just going to be ridiculous to us, which is the, the morphing uh, UFOs, the ones that are light, then they're blobs, then they're here, then they're gone. All of that stuff doesn't make any sense. It's no wonder people are just inundated with that stuff. They would like to go back and watch a movie that's got, you know, <laughs> one of those horrible looking things yeah. <laughs> because that they can understand. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and it's very interesting. You know, there was a time, uh, that same experience that I was talking about just now where it went from, you know, a light ball, it turned into a, what I, I'm just saying, Boeing 747, but it's passenger jet of some kind. Right. And then into a Cessna. And if people know a Cessna is just sort of the small, you might have it personally, right. It's a, a much smaller plane. There's like four or five, six people maybe can fit in it. And you know, that type of a, of a plane. And, uh, and as they're doing this, I I'm asking like, okay, I mean, first of all, this was the first time they did that. So it was very, it was a lot to take in <laughs> uh, and it was in broad daylight, like I said. And so they were just kind of showing me that it's not just at night. It's not just lights in the sky and it's, it's also this. And, and so I was kind of saying, well, then how far away are you? Because it, the space you're occupying looks the same. Well, a Cessna would be much closer than, than a Boeing, right? The Boeing would be much further away if they're, do you know what I mean? Like, and, and oh, yeah, that's sort of what you're talking about. Feet. Yeah. 35,000 yeah. feet versus 1800 feet, let's say. Right. So one would be like way further off in the distance and the other would be much closer. And so I'm asking like, well, then how far away are you actually? And the answer was kind of like, that isn't even a measurement for us really. Like, like really it's like, how close are we in consciousness? And that's exactly. all that really matters. Like, are we connected in consciousness and can we communicate? That's how close we are. And that was just my brain, like could not really even understand it. But this thing you're talking about with the dimensions is really the same thing, right? They're saying like, this isn't even a, it's not even a question we can answer. <laughs> how far away are we, right? How close are we is really just how connected are we and how open are we to the connection we're sharing? And that's what really matters. And you know, it took me a while to wrap my mind around that these interdimensional beings don't have the same perception as we do. And, and it really is to them like difficult. And I think to communicate with us, first of all, because most of us are scared, right? Or we go into like, I need to record this, and I need to take pictures of this. And we're not really in the moment at all. <laughs> when we're doing that. That's the um, key to it. We're not in the moment at ever, actually. Yeah, right, that too. So, um, so yeah. yeah, it's, 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 um, it's really interesting because you don't get this kind of perspective normally when someone talks about UFOs because what 
again, what people are used to is here's the picture, uh, here's the video, and this is what it is. Yeah. And, and I'm saying that isn't what it is. <laughs> That's what it looks like when you're looking through third dimensional uh, stuff. I mean, that's the way it looks, but it's much more, much more than that. But apparently, uh, that's not going to happen until we. I don't know. I don't know what to say. I mean, I don't think people will be understanding it soon. But then again, who, who am I to say such a thing? So your your experience with the ETs? Do you have any particular knowledge or information that they're giving you that that you feel is what relevant or important? Um, I think you know the underlying thread that has been going through these many decades. And, and I mean, I see them every day, <laughs> every day I, I will interact with them. And, and that's been true for my whole life. So the, the thread that runs through all of that interaction and contact is one of supporting my spiritual expansion and upliftment, my understanding of who I am, what I am, where I am. And, and therefore also anyone else can, you know, pick up these same understandings and understand who they are and where they are and why they are, uh, and also start to tap in more deeply to our inherent, you know, human spiritual skills and gifts that, again, everybody has. Everybody has them. And a lot of people will think like, well, I'm not, I'm not special. I'm not psychic. I'm not this. Yes, you are. Uh, you may not be very practiced in it. You know, you may not feel like it's that strong of a gift in you, uh, but everybody has the same senses and the same abilities and some to more degrees than that, right? Some are just born out the gate. They have visions and psychic and they just know things and other people have to work at it. And that's the same as any skill. You know, some people are just gifted in different areas, but we all have the abilities uh, or the propensity to adopt any of these abilities. And I, that's really the underlying message of all of it, uh, you know, is to empower ourselves as human beings to step into our true nature uh, in order to uplift ourselves and the, and the whole world. So, you know, they're very good guides and good friends in that way. And their uh, intentions are very, I think, profound and beautiful. Yeah, you know, as you were speaking, I was thinking to myself, most of us live in a very tiny place. I mean, you know, we, we, we think of ourselves as worldly, but, but actually everything that we're doing is inside our head. It's, there's nothing else is going on. Uh, the outside is just what we think it is, what we perceive it to be, and what's inside is the most real experience we have meaning that the perception that we have of what's going on outside is really what, what is happening. And so when you're talking about this communication, the way the communication is, the big question that everyone, not everyone, but mostly everyone says, well, if they're, if they're really alive and everything, why don't they come down here, land, and tell us what they want? They do. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm not saying that they don't. Yeah. But, but number one, I, I don't think that they would really want to come here in the first place because <laughs> look at what we're what, look at what we're about, you know. Especially you know in in many of the Western countries, we're basically in the world of uh, want, uh, not need, desires, you know, all these things. Um, I mean, we're basically struggling just to live. Um, if you're living in a situation where everything that you need is already there, which don't get me on this one. Actually, everything we need is already there anyway. But what we've done is we've figured out how to charge everybody for it. And so then 
you can't get it. You think you can't get it uh, without paying for it. Now, I don't mean you can go out and steal it, but I'm just saying. Uh, but if you're coming from another part of the galaxy where n- nobody has any needs or wants or desires because uh, everything that you want or need or desire has already been fulfilled. Well, how can you relate with some with a group of people like us? Because our first thought is, why are you here? What do you want? What can I get from you? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And, and, what do and, you want from me? What do I have to protect and keep you from getting, right? Like we're very... Or are you going to do something to me? Are you taking me? Are you going to take me out of this place that I really understand? All that stuff about abductions, for example. I'm not saying that abductions may or may not happen. I'm just saying um, it's just like me. Although I hear about kidnappings, I've never been kidnapped to my knowledge. And I don't know anyone personally who's been kidnapped. But... If I turn on the television every day, somebody's getting kidnapped. So if I want to start saying, oh, I'm scared to death, I can't go out of the house because I might get kidnapped. Where is the reality of that? And so this whole idea of, of they want to kidnap us and they want to prod us and all this, all these things experiment with us and all these things, even though I don't say that that's not true. All I'm saying is I don't think it's very often that that happens. Okay, well, anyway, like I got on my uh, thing again. Yeah. Well, it's true. You know, the there are probably beings out there that are snatching people and doing all kinds of things with them. And who knows what human beings are doing that and, and trying to make people feel like it's not human. Uh, or, you know, there could also be spiritual entities that have negative um, intentions. Right. But no, wait, uh, that's an interesting thing. But they're not going to be spiritual entities then. Right. Oh, we would call them that. I mean, that they would exist in a way that isn't physical. No, no, uh, spiritual meaning. I always think of spiritual as meaning. It's like a higher vibrational level than yes yeah. and, and no. But uh, I, didn't mean to, I don't mean to, to be splitting yeah. hairs here, but. No, it's a good point. And, but to say that they're, they're non-physical uh, and, yeah. and not of a higher vibration, right? Those things exist too in my experience. Well, I'm just saying they're not, they're not three-dimensional. Let's just say that that way. If they're not three-dimensional, it's no wonder we have a problem with them. I mean, they have to have a problem with us, too, because to go from uh, whatever dimension they're in to come here is already going to be a shift of some type. I mean, that's, that's to me, the, the, uh, one of the most difficult understandings that we might have about this communication aspect. Because they're not just going to come over here and say, look, before we talk to you, we want you to be like us. <laughs> Which I mean, haven't we seen this story before? <laughs> I mean, the whole Bible is filled with this stuff. The Vedic scriptures are filled with this. This is all that stuff that we put in the world of mythos, so to speak, or religion, because we can't figure out what it is, so we give it these categories. Yeah. But you know, the reality I think is that when you have the fourth dimension meeting the third dimension. It is not going to be an easy experience for either one. It is. Yeah, it's not. It's not easy. I grew so much in this interaction, even from the very first moment. You know, in one of the um, examples I like to share is that not everyone even wants this. So when people say like, well, why don't they just come and show themselves to everybody? Uh, I'm pretty sure they have in many ways to many people and, and people will not 
recognize it or they'll block it out even, or they'll be scared of it. Uh, one example, it's not my own, is that someone was listening apparently to a, a, a podcast or something about dogmen, uh, totally different beings, right? A totally different category, but they were listening to this podcast. And as they were listening to it, they remembered something that they had completely forgotten from years before of some humanoid-ish, dog-ish creature that, you know, they came across as they were driving through a mountain pass or something. And again, just kind of like, your brain is like, I don't know what this is and I can't handle this. So we're just going to let that one go. And I know there's people out there going, no, you can never do that. If I experienced this, I would know. And I, well, you might be someone who wants it a little bit more, is a little bit more open-minded to it. But if it comes across you on a random Tuesday and you weren't ready and you're not open-minded to it, it can actually do damage to you. So these beings are careful about that. And also I had an experience that was very direct. It was very close contact. It was very direct. And, uh, you know, this light appeared and I could go through the whole story, but I'm going to jump to the end. And if you want to, we can talk about the story itself. Oh, that's but... okay. We have time. <laughs> <laughs> you want me to tell the story? Absolutely. Tell the story. Okay. Yeah. The end is worth it. Timeless Voyager. People <laughs> want to know. <laughs> so uh, in this specific instance, uh, I was driving onto a ferry boat. Uh, and if you're not familiar with ferry boats, you, you they take you across the water. Some of them like this one, our car, passenger, both. So we drove onto this ferry boat. And on the car deck, uh, there are these ports. And so they're like windows without glass or, or plastic. They're just open air, um, you know, so the fumes can come in and out. You're not kind of trapped in this weird box. And it's a quick voyage. It's like 20 minutes or so across. I've been doing this my whole life. I grew up on an island. And uh, we were catching this ferry. It's very late at night. This was the last ferry of the night. So it was probably like 1 or 2 a.m. Uh, I should say early in the morning. And as we're driving onto this boat, I looked up and I'm with a car full of uh, five other people of my friends. And, and I looked up in the sky and I saw a very bright light. I had been interacting with these beings for a long time. But for some reason at that moment, I didn't really connect it with them. I just said, wow, that's a really bright light. <laughs> and I said this out loud. And right when I said this, the light actually disappeared and I realized that right next to us, where we had parked next to one of these ports on the ferry, uh, there was suddenly three lights and they were floating synchronously, like seemingly like locked with each other. So as the ferry's moving up and down, they're staying perfectly still, which makes it look like they're bobbing when actually we're the ones bobbing. Uh, but they're not moving in conjunction with each other. They're perfect lockstep with one another. They're glowing, and, and I don't remember the colors and sequences and shapes, but I'll just give some examples as though I do. <laughs> but uh, I was looking at them, and I, and I was saying out loud the whole time, and I never took my eyes off them, but I was talking to the car, and I was saying, what are these lights? What is this? You guys, what is this? Uh, and people were looking, and, and they were like, what is that? Everyone in the car is starting to murmur, like, what is this? If you've ever been on a ferry boat, you know there's no other boats close to it. You're not supposed to come close to it. If the ferry boat captain noticed a boat coming even yards and yards away, they would stop the boat because it's so dangerous. The ferry is huge. It's a massive boat. It's hard to stop and start. So they're very aware of that. So whatever this is shouldn't even be there anyway. And someone instantly starts, you know, in our denial and bargaining sort of processes we go through in our mind saying, it's the Coast Guard. It's the Coast Guard. There's no reason to think this is the Coast Guard, but this is what we do as humans. We're like, it's this. It's got to be this. Have an explanation for this, right? I'm pretty sure it's not the Coast Guard, so I'm just staring at it going, "What? Are, I wonder what they're doing. I'm realizing, oh, this is the beings that I talk to in the sky, you know, and, and they've never come this close. They've never come this close with other people with me, especially. So I'm kind of like, what are you guys doing, you know? Uh, and they start moving. And they're moving very slow at first, but they're moving again in lockstep. 
So each one is moving the exact same direction, the exact same angle, the exact same, and they're all the same color. Uh, and they're making a shape and it's simple at first. And I want to say it's like a triangle, right? And then they go a little bit faster and the color changes and they start making a different shape. And let's say it's a sphere or something. And then they go a little bit faster and they change colors and it's another shape and it's more complex. Maybe it's a star or something. They're all doing this in lockstep. And everybody who's with me is just in trance. No one's saying a word now. I'm not saying a word. No one's saying a word. And we're all just watching this happen feet from our face. And it starts faster, faster, different color, different shape, more complex until it's a blur. And I don't know what shapes are happening or what's going on. And and then it just sort of stops. And they're just back and just non-moving, synchronous floating outside of the window. And I go, what just happened? And they just dart off and move forward. So not only did all the people with me see all of that display, it's very bright, excessive display, but as they move forward and dart forward, they're going up to the front of the boat now in the direction that we're heading across the water. And the ferry boat basically breaks. They take the acceleration off. They turn the engine off. And so the ferry boat also saw the captain, the people up there in the control room also saw these lights is the only explanation of why they would slow down and stop. So I get out of the car at this point because I want to run up and see what they're going to do at the front of the boat. I'm thinking maybe this is like contact. They're going to do some other display (laughs) and everyone on the boat is going to see. And I'm like really kind of excited. And so I run up and as I'm running up, the spotlight from above, uh, because again, it's night, uh, shines down in the area where the lights had last been, that I knew they last had been at least. I didn't see them again that night. Um, the spotlight is going, it's moving. You're clearly trying to find something. So again, whatever this was, the boat saw it, the captain saw it, the people up there saw it, the spotlight is looking for it. The boat is stopped because again, if they see anything near them, they have to stop for safety. (laughs) So the boat stopped, the spotlight's on. There's no announcement. Usually you'd have an announcement like, Hey, we've seen a whale. We need to stop and let it pass or, or something. There's no announcement. Uh, and eventually the boat, I just walk back to the car because nothing else is happening and I don't see the lights anymore. They turn off the spotlight and the boat starts moving again. And I get back to the car and I'm like, you guys, what was that? No one will answer me. No one will talk to me. And then eventually they just say, Lindsay, shut up. Stop talking about it. <laughs> I'm like, oh, okay. So uh, time went on. The Most of the people in the car weren't my very close friends. They were just friends I had been with that night. But one was my very, very close friend. And so for her, I, I, I didn't really let it go so easily. And I wanted to know what she thought it was or what she thought was going on. And what I really wanted selfishly was to have someone to talk to about all the experiences I have all the time that I knew no one really wants to talk about. Um, and so I asked her again, you know, what, what was that? Like, do you can't tell me you don't remember that. And like, what was it? What do you, <laughs> and finally one day she just kind of snapped and she looked at me and her face was as though I had like grievously injured her. And like, she was very upset with me. And she said, I don't know what it was. I remember it. And I don't ever want to talk about it again. Hmm. And I said, Oh, okay, I'm sorry. And I never talked to her about it again. So when we say, you know, why don't they just show up? Why don't they just do this and that? That's why they don't really do those things because it is actually damaging to people. And a lot of people, even if they think they want to know, they don't actually want to experience it. They don't really want to know in that way. That's very important to say it the way you did. There's one major difference between saying something Mm -hmm. And having the feeling of what happened. Yes. Everybody can talk about almost anything. 
but there are very few things that you can feel that you're comfortable with. And so that's that's really what happens. And why I brought that up is because these experiences go right through the energy system. And you are left with a hole after it. Maybe not a hole, but you know what I'm saying. It is. It's like an opening and things are much more raw after it. Your experience is much more rich and deep and you have a lot more to take in every day, every moment of every day, right? Like now everything is different now. (laughs) There's like life before these experiences and life after these experiences. Uh, And, you know, you're kind of walking around with this information that it's a little bit lonely. Not everybody wants to know it. Not everybody wants to talk about it. And so it just, it kind of separates you a little bit from people. And, you know, there's, there's aspects of it that are almost traumatizing or they can be traumatizing, uh, especially again, for that specific person or that whole group of people. I know none of them want, wanted that experience. Since we're talking about experiences, and we could go the whole time on UFOs and NETs. Let's move over to the near-death experience for a second. Um, that's something that, that I guess you've had uh, information about. Or have you had a near-death experience? I don't know, but you're going to tell me now. Yeah. Well, I didn't really think of some of these experiences I've had as near-death experiences until I was interviewing uh, Peter Panagor. And Peter Panagor has had really profound near-death experiences. And his description of his experiences were very similar to my experiences of what I would have called instead like an out-of-body travel uh, under the guidance of these same beings, um, these interdimensional loving uh, spiritual beings. Uh, and so, you know, other people then have told me, well, that that was a near-death experience. And I'll just say it was a definitely an out-of-body experience, which a near-death experience also is. Uh, and it shares a lot of similarities with them, especially in the um, feeling that Uh, There is definitely more than this physical body in this life and the feeling more detached, but in the best way. It's not like you're distant or unable to experience life, but you just have a detachment from an objectivity about it because you know now, you've experienced now remaining alive while completely divorced from your body uh, and being able to do everything that they see everything, feel everything, think everything even more clearly. You know, people say realer than real and it, and it really is realer than real. It's more direct. And um, that feeling, you know, is, is really overwhelming, but it gives you this whole different uh, appreciation for life and experience in life. Uh, and things just are no longer as scary because uh, you're, Uh, Anything could happen to this body. It doesn't matter. My consciousness is what is actually me. And I've experienced that. And I know that now. And that's similar to NDE experiences as well. In my experience that um, most similarly matches an NDE, I was seemingly taken on a ship. And I say that because I didn't at any point experience this as physical. And like I say, the um, interdimensional might be a better description for it. Uh, and astral travel might be a better description for it, but because it makes yeah, more sense. I was going to suggest talking of using astrals. That's good. Yeah, and as as uh, again because it made more sense to my brain. I think these beings gave me the idea, like, yeah, you're on a ship. 
that's fine. Be on a ship, <laughs> you know, like it doesn't actually matter. Uh, so I kind of just had this idea that, that we were on a ship. We left my, my bed, my house, my city, my state, my country and my world at first. And I just saw that we were leaving earth and I said, Oh wow, that's very cool. <laughs> and then we kept going and I saw the whole solar system and we kept going and I saw, you know, clusters and nebula and this and that, all this giant vast tracts of space and and that was just we were just moving through it this was just the going part part we weren't meant to really stop and check any of that stuff out and eventually we got very very far out and it was very quick this didn't take days this took moments um and we were as far out as you can go they 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 communicated to me and they showed me um this vast in view, I'll say, of, of the entire universe, which I think is bigger than even we think that we know. Um, and I was looking at this view of the universe, <laughs> and it looks to me like a figure eight from the view, from the, from the point of view of where we were looking. So uh, figure eight uh, in the center is the brightest brightness cluster of light that uh, I could never even imagine. And um, who knows how many worlds or what we call universes are in that cluster of light at the center and out from that light on both sides are these huge, you know, the, each side of the figure eight. I know just kind of by understanding, because they're just kind of sharing with me and I just understand it, that if we went over to the other end of the eight and we were looking from the point of view of the end of the eight, that it would look you know, spherical to us. It would look like it was all spinning around, as you can imagine, like a multi-armed spinning galaxy. Uh, and that that is sort of the figure eight. So it's not flat by any means. So maybe it's more like conical from the point of the eights into that center light. Um, and that is the shape, apparently, of, of everything in the universe. And they're showing me this and they're showing how out from that center light in, in each of these sort of figure eight sides is less and less density, less and less energy, less and less light, uh, less and less everything. Uh, and so the center is everything and it moves out from there. And they said, and you are way out here and we're like out in the boonies of one of the sides of the eights, <laughs> like way out there. They're like, you're far out there, <laughs> very far from, you know, uh, this center light. Uh, and that was a big deal. I don't know why still. As I started much, much, much later in my life channeling the book, The Key of Transformational Healing, they actually talk about uh, that our consciousness here on Earth chose to move very far away from source. And, and so I kind of understand now that there is something to that distance that we've chosen and that matters. Um, so we're very far away. Uh, and they said, this is where you live. You're way out here. And I, and they let me just sit there and enjoy this view and take it all in and understand as much as I could of it for some amount of time. Uh, and then we went home. And again, it wasn't days, weeks, months. It was minutes or seconds, maybe, uh, as we just moved back. And it didn't feel even like acceleration. It just felt like, you know, if you just think of something and you just move to it, it was just right. easy. Uh, and we got back to Earth and we sort of paused and I saw all of Earth um, overlapped or overlaid, I'll say, with a series of infinite seeming um, top down view of like a tornado. 
and they're just everywhere. If you can imagine just every point is just a tornado going into Earth. So the point of the tornado is, is down on the surface and the, the large end is out towards space and I could see all of them. Uh, and they said, you get to choose which one. And I was like, well, what are they? And they said, each of these is a timeline for you in this life. And I said, that's a lot of pressure. I don't understand. Yeah, it's, like the, it's like the multiple, the multiplicity. I guess so. There's every possibility of, of this life I'm currently living uh, had yeah. its own little re-entry point. Um, and this is the part that Peter Panagor talked about, which in his near-death experience, experience, which made me go, weird. I had that same exact experience and I'd never heard anyone else describe it in the same way until I met him. Um, but this was also my experience. And, and I said to them, I don't, I don't know which one to choose. Um, I just want to choose the one that is the best for the most amount of people. Can we choose that one? And they said, okay, that's this one. And I said, cool, thank you. And we went back in as we went into this, um, timeline, uh, and I was coming back in time actually and so I actually have seen myself at the end of my life and moved back through and I I missed a bunch I, I'm not I wasn't allowed to take back with me the memory of a large portion of this life and I started seeing things again at 2021 so I used to describe this as the timeline ended for me at 2021 but it was never really true because I actually saw the end of my life too it's just that middle part was left out for some reason uh, but interestingly 2021 was the where we picked back up again and I saw in a pretty quick blur, a lot of my life. And then I popped back into my bed and, you know, woke up or, or kept sleeping and woke up later or however it happened. But, um, at the time it was just a really insane dream that I had. And I wrote it all down. Of course I wrote everything down. I, like I said, meticulous journals of my life, but I, remembered some of the snippets of the life review in reverse that I sort of saw, which is again, similar to an NDE. And uh, as time went on, I would experience those moments and I would go, Oh, here's one of those moments that I remembered from that timeline. You know, it's just, and it was always pointless. It was a pointless moment where I would just be like at a fire with friends and we were just hanging out. And I, oh yeah. I saw this. I remember this. Um, you know, it wasn't like something where it was a crucial moment where I could change, you know, the destinies of, no, it was just like kind of a reminder. Like, remember, remember, you've already seen this, you chose all this, you've, you've lived this before and you know exactly what you're doing and just kind of a little wink and nod from the universe or my, my guides or my allies. So that was the experience that is as similar to an NDE as, as I get. I've had some others that might be in the same category. I think it's good. It's <laughs> <laughs> very good. Very grateful for it. Let's talk a little bit about entities and energies that you've experienced during shamanic healings. Yes, many of them are um, the same as these same guy. I just call them guides and allies because uh, they're they are those things, uh, and many of them who uh, had been these sort of lights in the sky and uh, guides in journeys like those that I just described. Uh, many of them show up in healings as well. Um, and these energies and entities and beings, you know, I am very loose in my description of them because they don't care so much how they are defined or labeled. Um, but people often do care and need to understand them from a specific point of view. So, you know, I might call them ascended masters or saints or Buddhas or uh, angels or whatever else, depending on what is easiest to communicate for people. Um, but these beings and energies show up in healings 
every time that I do a healing. And what I say and share with people, uh, and I think is true of any healer, is that I'm not actually doing anything except being an open sort of channel for this to come through and being the observer that can then share with you, you know, what has happened or what is happening. Um, earlier today, I just did a healing with someone and uh, Mary Magdalene came through as well as Vera Kocha. <laughs> totally different, completely different cultures even right? There's no, you, I wouldn't at least have expected those two beings to be working together to help heal this person, but that's who came through. But you see, there's an example, there's an example of how we and our perception do that. We, we name them, put the, put them in different categories, and then we expect them to remain in those categories. Whereas in their case, they don't have categories. We're the ones that have categories. Yeah. 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 And they, and some of them have things they're really good at or just things they really like to do. Right. Like um, if there's someone who's releasing a lot of darkness, we'll say uh, then a lot of times Michael, the archangel will come through and it makes sense. People have called him the defender, you know, and he's the general in the war against evil. You know, he, whatever that energy is, whatever you want to classify it as it likes to help with that exact type of thing. Right. And that's why we've been able to give it these sort of characteristics and understand it in that way. And um, so you some of them have affinities for what it is they like to do or what they're good at um, or what it's easiest for them to share with people. So they tend to come in, in similar situations for different people. So to maybe move this into something a little bit more pragmatic, <laughs> not that this wasn't, but, you know. You said that that uh, you like to involve all of these practices, these spiritual practices you refer to them as, into daily life. What do you mean by that? I really like to increase uh, my awareness of myself as a spiritual being and of this place as a, a place that is infused with spirit. And the more we know that and focus on that and invite that, so to speak, the, the more true it is for us. Uh, and so I think it's uh, helpful and important for anybody to, to do these things. And uh, one of the simplest ways to do this is to, for example, bless your food or your water. Uh, or ask for blessing for your food or your water. Um, and and do just doing that, right? It, even if all you really understand that you're doing is increasing your own awareness that there is spiritual energy in the world and that you're inviting it into your life, right? Or maybe you can go a step further and understand that there are spiritual beings around you uh, who want to help you and who are, you know, placing higher levels of consciousness and prana, chi, you know, spiritual energy into the actual food and water with you. Uh, now you're taking it in and it's more healing and higher vibration and increasing your awareness and your presence. Uh, so really simple things can have actually profound can effects we, on you. Could you be more specific? What, what would a person uh, who was interested in trying this, what, what could they say or do? Yeah, I, it can be so many different things. So it's up to the person what they feel comfortable with. But I would, at the very least, you can uh, think about how our water and our food is uh, uh, seems to be responsive to our thoughts, right? And so while you're preparing a water, a drink, a food item, you can be 
appreciative. You can put gratitude into it. You can think about the people and the places and the structures that have brought you these things into your life and how cool that is for you. And just that gratitude and love and appreciation is already just putting better energy into you and this thing that you're about to consume. Um, you could also, if you feel comfortable, decide, you know, who, who do I trust on the possible spiritual realms, right? And maybe you have a ton. Maybe you're like, oh, I love Ganesh and I love, you know, Buddha and I love this and that. And ask them to come bless it too. Say, oh, Buddha, Ganesh, would you come and add your beautiful energy to this food and this water I'm about to drink? Thank you. And, you know, feel the gratitude and the love for that being. Uh, one of the mistakes people make is thinking that these beings are somehow beyond them or that you're not good enough for them or that this is too small. I don't want to ask Ganesh to come bless this water. It's not a very big deal. That energy that we're calling Ganesh is everywhere all the time. It's not like burdened by being asked to do this or giving this to you. And, it, and these energies, in my experience, want so badly to be in deeper connection and presence. They want so badly for us to remember these connections and these energies that we all have access to. And so asking this is actually a beautiful thing. You should not feel anything but really grateful and loved to be able to ask for it and receive it. And, you know, if you have, it's, it's actually especially important, I think, if you feel like you don't deserve it or it's too little of a thing or it's just not big enough deal, then it's especially important for you to ask for that because you really maybe need to heal that part of you that feels unworthy <laughs> of love. You know, this is just love. It's given freely. Um, so that's, those are really simple ideas of practices. And, you know, people, I think also get caught up on like wording, like how am I supposed to say it? Or do I need to like cross myself first or something? And none of these beings care. <laughs> they don't, they're not as attached to that as we are. So um, if you like to do, you know, cross, you can do that because it's increasing your consciousness and your intention of what you're doing, then do that. Um, and if you don't want to, don't do that. And if the words come out easily and, and you just, you know, want to just say, yeah, could you please come do this? Thank you so much. I love you. Then do that. But if you need to like write out a prayer or write out a very, a more formal thing and, and say it the same way every time, you can also do that because that's what you feel comfortable with. But it's just the idea of, of asking for it, of letting yourself receive it, of being in that conscious appreciation and love of these simple things. Um, those are some of the easiest practices that people can work into their day. Um, and again, you can choose any of these beings. People will say, well, I'm not a Christian. Why did, um, you know, St. Michael or, or Michael Archangel come to my healing? He doesn't care about Christianity. <laughs> like, he's not uh, as attached, again, as we are to these structures and these religions and these traditions. These beings are free beings. They're, they're loving beautiful, free beings, and they don't care what our religion is or isn't or has been. That's not that's important a, to them. That's such an important point, um, because the way that religious, most religious institutions have shown this is in the world of it's a sin. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's wrong to do these very things that you just mentioned because it somehow offends them or offends God. It's too bad because it doesn't have to be that way. But, I mean, people are indoctrinated that way, and it makes it very difficult for them to, to follow something as simple as this. So well, the reason I said it that way was, okay, so 
If you don't want to talk about Ganesh, you don't have to. You can say Jesus or Mary or whoever, whoever you want. Yeah. And and but but what was important about what you said? The procedure. Yeah. Ask Jesus to bless it. Yeah. Ask God to bless it. It's yeah. okay. Whoever yeah. you want to use, whatever name you want to use, it's okay. It is okay. Um, Right, <laughs> and, it, and I'll say too, you don't even have to ask a being. Some people get caught up, and they're like, "Well, who are they really, and why are they connected with us?" And we we have a lot of, you know, fear and trust issues in our race. Uh, so you don't also have to ask a being if you want to. You can just say source energy or chi or prana, and and just say, you know, will that universal love come into my water and my food and just bless it and increase this vibration. And so you also don't have to get attached to a specific beings, you know, title or, or whatever you can, you can just do that. And I think that's easier for some people too. And that's also beautiful. It's just as powerful. Let's, before we run out of time, let's talk a little bit about uh, your four books that we, we talked about before, but just so that people can get an idea that these things exist and, and how they can maybe get them. So I have this one available. So why don't we talk, start with that? Yeah, the key of transformational healing uh, came to me as a channeled book. And, you know, we mentioned it a little bit, you kind of asked about if, if some of these things were channeled. And I said, early on, no, not really. But now, yes. <laughs> now it's much easier for me to hear them and understand them at any time or place and, and to ask their messages to come through and to be able to translate those. So uh, the Key of Transformational Healing is my um, most direct channeled book uh, full of messages from uh, these beings, which I call collectively, as they asked me to call them when sharing with other people, the spiritual ancestors. It's an interesting title. Um, and so the spiritual ancestors have given us this information in this book. And it's it's both a practical guide, uh, sort of um, to how to understand yourself and, again, who you are, what you are, where you are, and why you are. Uh, and it's also very, very deep and profound. And so there's a lot of it that, you know, you might want to read multiple times to come back to again and again and get different layers of meaning out of. And so it's a really powerful book. And I suggest for, for anybody, it's very short as well, so it's easy to read. Uh, and uh, it came to me as a, um, you know, they, these beings made uh, an alert appear on my phone as a reminder. And the reminder said, consider writing the key of transformational healing. And I said, oh, okay. <laughs> I guess I wasn't getting the message in some other way. So they had to make it appear as though it was a reminder on my phone. Uh, and so that's how I got this book. I sat down and titled the document the key of transformational healing and gave them the open channel and this came out so that is that book how about this one i i, I don't even know how to say it so <laughs> uh phytalis sine curve of aeons uh this is actually the name of the trilogy um is sine curve of aeons and this is the first book in the trilogy and it's called phytalis uh it's a fictional novel it was also channeled but not in that direct word for word way it was a more like scenes would plop into my head and I would go about describing them and what happened. So um, this is also a channeled book, but it's fiction. It's a super fun dive into our very, very distant human history on Earth. Uh, and uh, the sequel to that is Earth, A Trough in Time, which is our current time period in this dark age. Um, and also, again, a, a channeled uh, fictional novel. The third one is almost done. It's coming soon. So stay tuned. 
Uh, and this final book is All Endings Are Beginnings. And these are also channeled, but they're very short, you know, multiple, couple paragraphs or one paragraph chunks of channeled message. And it's really cool as an oracle. Um, you know, you can ask a question and open to any page and get your answer. And I love it for that reason. You can also just open it to get a message, you know, for the day or, or for the moment. And uh, it's a beautiful book as well. All right. We've basically done it. Uh, we could go on and on and on, but what a great, great uh, day you've presented to us here today. Oh, thank you. <laughs> really appreciate it, Lindsay. Um, why don't you let people know how they can get in touch with you? Let's see. I think I have this thing here. Yes. Rogue, rogueways.org. Definitely the best place to find everything that I do, uh, my shows, my books, my Oregon that I make for people, the one-on-one -on -one spiritual services that I work with people. And there's also a contact page there. So if you just want to reach out, say hi, um, or, you know, a lot of people want to ask me what which one of my services they think they should, or I think they should get. And so you can always just reach out and, and ask or share anything. Um, but it's all there at rogueways.org. Thank you so much, Lindsay. I look forward to seeing you again. Thank you, Bruce. It's been a pleasure, and it's always nice to talk with you.
ride.